show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, doctors, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists. Where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and I'm joined by Mr. Peter Balistrieri. How you doing, Peter? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I thought we could even talk a little bit today about baseball, man. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I moved here from Wisconsin, so of course I'm a Milwaukee Brewer fan. I am excited about their moves. I cannot wait. Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich. Good stuff come up. I still think they got a pitcher coming up. And I know you're still on the high from World Series last year because you're a Strohs fan. Oh, my which word. It's amazing. Amazing. Best sports year of my life, 2017. Yeah. Not going to lie. Felt like I waited uh, very close to 40 years for that moment. That was fantastic. And even if I wasn't, I'll tell you what, that was one of the best World Series. Probably the best I can ever remember. That game five, that yeah. went extra innings and went back and forth. Several home runs. Five home runs. Apologies to the Dodger fans out there. But <laughs> it, it really was a great series. It has been. It's been a long time since I can recall one being that competitive. But you know what? I think it's very apropos that we're going to talk baseball because our segment today, in number three, this is podcast three, so this yeah. is great to be back. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball with the idea around Moneyball, right? So we'll get into that, but do we have anything we want to talk about first, or is that our first thing? I can't remember. What did we say? You know what? Even if there was something first, we could just dive into All Moneyball. Right, yeah, so this is our let's do this. first segment today. It's called our Rap Battle. Rap battle! Rap battle is where we do battle on an assumption. We challenge an assumption that we feel like has been holding back healthcare marketing. And we're trying to look at how we change something and grow from it. And so the assumption that we're challenging today is that marketers don't really need a whole lot of data or that it's not really their job or their responsibility to come to the table with data because that just hasn't been something they've always needed. So that's what we're going to do. And maybe we could lay the groundwork here and tell a little story about a manager named Billy Bean. Yeah, if you're not familiar with this, and it's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Of all sports, baseball has become a data-driven sport. It's, It's actually pretty unbelievable. And what Billy Bean did was he actually hired some kind of geeky nerd guys to basically crunch numbers so that he could get the best kinds of players for the best payrolls and be competitive in that market. And it became called Moneyball because he was able to identify these players that had skill levels that fit under his budget, if you will. And that is kind of the role that we're looking at in terms of healthcare marketing now is a new team, a new healthcare marketing team 
has to be comfortable with crunching numbers and going to bat, basically, with those numbers. And I think every healthcare marketing department needs a data scientist or a data miner now. We need a Billy Bean on every team to be able to help. Because I will say this, as a healthcare marketer myself, I am not good with numbers, but I know what I need. And so having somebody on the team that can substantiate and kind of play that role in helping me come up with those numbers and understand those numbers is so vital to kind of be my success and working with the program directors and managers from the last episode that we talked about. So I'm just going to ask one quick question here of our listeners. I want to know, is your department changing? Are you hiring or have you hired a data person or, an, or a data analyst or a data miner or a data scientist, whatever it happens to be? I do this all the time with fantasy baseball, right? Everyone says, who are your keepers or what's your team? We're asking you, what is your team? Do you have a PR person? Do you have a data analyst? That's a good point because we can sit here in a vacuum and say, yeah, you bet. I've been reporting data. Let's take it back to the baseball example, right? Baseball players, they've been measured, so offensively, they've been measured dating back a century at least, right? RBIs and batting average, right? If your batting average is over 300, man, that's a remarkable career. You're probably going to be an all-star several times. RBIs, runs batted in. So there's been data there, but now Moneyball took this to an entirely new level. The Oakland A's under Billy Bean, they created an entirely new set of stats. This stat called WAR, mm-hmm. wins above replacement. Yeah, when I was growing up, that sure wasn't on any baseball cards there. You know, that, that didn't exist. Right. So we're talking about different types of analytics, too. I think that's important to point out. Yeah. And a lot of times that comes up and is a part of the changing makeup of your team, as you just brought to light, Peter. So you know, maybe from this point, we can dive down a little bit more and think about what this means on a day-to-day basis. Let's take social media analytics. Yeah. This is one that pretty much everyone in any level of marketing uh, or communications these days is a part of in one way or another, whether providing the content or developing the creative for it and the messaging or tracking and measuring it. Uh, Most everyone's responsible in one way or another, it feels like. So let's take the example, kind of like in baseball, there were always some historical, traditional data points in in social media. So it hasn't been around a century like baseball has, but there have been some traditional types of measures that we're kind of learning don't always tell the full story. And one of those was, hey, how many followers do we have? How many followers do we have and how many impressions? How, how big is our reach? Yeah. How many people are we reaching? Yeah. Those are the first two, right, that everyone got excited about. They did because, yeah. holy cow, we can have 100,000 followers. We can have a million followers just for us. And I'm sure people will flock to our page just because of us, you know, because it's us. So... We quickly learned that doesn't really mean much. And, and why? Because, well, if we're talking Facebook, Facebook's algorithm changed, right? So before we knew it in the last two to three years, people were saying, well, the average reach of an organic post is everything from 1% to 3% to at one point it was 6%, but it just keeps decreasing. And now the announcement earlier this year about, hey, Facebook's going to reset yet again, and your organic reach is going to drop. Yeah, like Right. Like, so it's not just, hey throw it out there. And I think we've all gone through that where a few years ago, that was a strategy. Get out there, start messaging people, create a community, uh, play by the rules and follow those rules and did everything right. Now you have to reset again. So the type of data that might be helpful today might be engagement rate 
or the engagement rate per post. So you can say, how well are we engaging followers this month compared to last month? And you can look at it two ways. You can say, hey, what if you posted twice as often? You better be engaging overall. Right. More. Yeah. In engagement on Facebook, I can just pick on that because it's probably the one that most everyone's familiar with. Really, probably pretty much everyone listening is familiar with all major social platforms right now. We can just roll with Facebook because, again, it's even more familiar with just about everybody. But you can think of, and in Facebook's, in their native analytics package, an engagement is a reaction of any kind. A like, uh, the wow, the dislike, the comment laughing. Or share, right? Yeah, comment or share. Mm-hmm. Uh, So any type of reaction to a post. And what does that tell you? Well, it means that it connected with somebody. It did more than reach them. It reached them to the point where it connected with them and caused you to take some action, even if it's like a boo hiss or, you know, or the dislike. It caused you to react. And so you know for sure they did more than reach it, like it got through to somebody. So that's why engagement, in my mind, it's, it's more valuable. Now, that doesn't mean you never measure reach because you need to know that to know what your engagement rate is. If, you're, if you have a post that uh, with a reach of 10,000, so 10,000 people supposedly saw it. Now, how many of those are actually humans? That's up for another debate. There are all sorts of <laughs> things out there about how many of those were we'll bots. We'll assume that they're all humans. We'll assume that, okay, for this educational example. Exactly. So, so uh, your post was seen by 10,000 people, and what if 100 of those engaged in some way? They reacted, they liked it, they commented, they shared. So that's a 1% engagement rate. 100 out of those 10,000 engaged in some way. So that's good to know just to say, hey, overall, how did this post do compared to this post? So if you're still looking at how to optimize your posts, then that's useful. The engagement rate, not just the overall engagement. Because what if you did 20 of those posts this month and they each reached 10,000 people and they each got 100 engagements? Your overall engagement is at a certain level. What if last month you only did 10 posts and the engagement rate was the same? So then your overall engagement this month would be higher, but the engagement rate is the same. Same. It's a combination of a couple of different things. So one of the hard parts of data and analytics is that there's usually more than one KPI. And that's what's hard to recognize. And part of it's because, quite frankly, the landscape keeps changing. The algorithm keeps changing. Facebook decides, like, you know, drop their bomb at the beginning of January. Oh, yeah, hey, we're resetting, you know. We're going to get back to basics, you know, and and you're going to see more posts from friends and family. Brands said the sky was falling. We read so many different opinions of it in reaction to that announcement. And a couple of them on one side where, yeah, the sky's absolutely falling. Like, you thought a 1% reach was bad before. Now, like, it's doomsday. And then there were some more kind of more measured responses, so, which I feel are closer to an accurate statement. Overall, if your brand is posting relevant content and you are truly engaging with your followers, you don't have as much to be worried about. Right. So I kind of bring that back to the thought of how do we get comfortable with this and how do we know if those KPIs from three years ago are the same now? Why shouldn't we be measuring the number of followers, for instance? These are all questions that we want to keep asking and recognize that the answers are going to change periodically. So it's just this thought of getting comfortable. Yeah, you know, and that's a great point. I love the fact that you did that explanation too because I still think a lot of people don't understand that are being charged with understanding how to do marketing on social media, on Facebook. That was a great explanation. And I think, again, back to, you know, what were those first measurements, the the, the reach and the, and the followers? You know, I'll bring it back to baseball. How does anyone get around something? In baseball, it was, well, it's pine tar, it was corking bats, it's <laughs> PEDs, okay. So, but in, in the world we're talking about, it was, you could get around it by buying your followers, right? And just, you, you could extend your reach by simply just buying followers. You could do clickbait. Those were kind of the equivalents of the things that I just gave that were done in baseball. 
So now it's incumbent upon the marketer to actually learn that book of business, learn who the audience is. It's a double whammy if you've spent money to boost or promote on social media. So now you've spent money. And if your content, it's not something that that audience cares about, now you've really hurt yourself. You've wasted marketing budget and you've you know, annoyed people that are seeing this because they don't really like your content. So it is incumbent upon the healthcare marketer to understand the book of business and to spend the money in the, in the right way in terms of social media. Now, the other thing you said, a big word, keyword is change. Things are constantly changing. I'm gonna break out of baseball and go into football and I'm just gonna use the Super Bowl as an example. On the Super Bowl, usually the guy that is an amazing person at doing this is, is Bill Belichick. I listened to uh, a, a radio host here in Phoenix and this guy played for him a little bit and he said when they'd start a game, within the first quarter, if it wasn't working, he'd gather his team on the sidelines and say, you remember all that stuff we worked on this week? We're not doing it anymore. We're going to do this in the first quarter. That's not even waiting for halftime adjustments. So how do we bring that back full circle to this? Is you have to be able to try things. And if it doesn't work, you have to be able to shift. And you know what? That's a tough thing for marketers, for communicators to do now. Because we think we're set in our ways and we know how to do this or we've always done it this way. But that's what this whole podcast is about, is being change agents and being okay with saying, well, this didn't work. I need to tweak it or I need to change it going this way. So that's kind of how I took from it. I think it's pretty remarkable. I agree, and I loved that thought, that angle on the Super Bowl. It was a fascinating game to begin with. What I think about on the side of change also is, first off, it sounds like if you ever bought followers on Facebook, that might keep you out of the Hall of Fame. Yes. I think that's what the conclusion you were drawing there. That is exactly uh, it. I feel like we've tried to throw a lot of technology at analytics, too. But so to your point of change, we still have to change the way that we approach it. We still have to know enough about the analytics that we want and need and what a KPI even means uh, and knowing enough on that journey from a marketer of what's this for and how we're going to measure it and what insights do we get out of it. I feel like the culture of marketing needs to be changed because for years, before we had these advanced analytics platforms, before we had ways to measure more than just reach and followers on social media, for instance, before that, we were told, we were trained to say, you can't measure the effect of marketing on business results. You just have to accept that. Yeah, throw you know, it against the wall, see what works kind of. A yeah, thing. and it's like coaching in a game. When everyone's winning, everyone's happy. They don't care. Hey, was that win in the Super Bowl, was that 30% the coach, 40% the quarterback, 10% the fact that it was an outdoor stadium and they're used to warm weather? Nobody cares when you're winning. When you're losing, that's literally what it's down to. Hey, was that the offensive coordinator? Was that because this player didn't get to play because he got benched and he was literally crying on the sidelines? <clears throat> Malcolm Butler. <laughs> uh, you have to wonder all these things when things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. So culture-wise, we can think, let's not wait till things aren't going well. <laughs> let's learn now what things we should be measuring. And we don't have to dissect that as hard as we want to, but we also can't accept the excuse that it's just too hard, it's too overwhelming, there's too much, I'm not equipped to do that. And we can't accept the other excuse of, hey, I've always been told that you can't measure the effectiveness of marketing, so I'm not even going to try. The reality is somewhere there in between, there are things we can measure. I'm telling you, you know, when been able to go to a meeting with any stakeholder and provide any data, sometimes it's your only defense and sometimes it's the exact fuel that you need for, for, your, for your idea, your campaign, your strategy to get lift off because otherwise you're, you're often just sitting there on the launch pad. Yeah, I agree. And folks, let me tell you this. You will lose your budget if you cannot prove your success. You will have a hard, hard time getting a budget in 2019 
if you're not showing what you're doing in 2018. And I will say this again before we get into our freestyle. I am the first person to say I did not want to do data. I am so right-brained. I am scared of data. But in the last couple years, I have learned to embrace it. And I'm learning it. But here's the other thing, and we can probably talk about this as well, is if you have a data person on your team, that helps immensely. Somebody that can you know, teach you, empower you to understand. But also, these dashboards and the technologies are getting much easier to use, too. You don't have to <laughs> be a coder, or you don't have to know, you know trigonometry. They're, they're doing a, a much better job selling or offering data to non-data people, I think, because if I'm feeling more comfortable, believe me, I'm using myself as an example. If I'm feeling more comfortable using data, I think a lot of people should, because like I said, it scares me to death, but it's gotten a lot better in the past maybe a year and a half or so, two years. So that's just my last thought on that, at least. No, oh, that's great stuff, and it's from personal experience, so it's great to think about. Let's move on to our freestyle segment. This segment is where we're going to try kind of riffing off the top of our heads. We have not rehearsed this, and uh, as you might may or may not be able to tell, sometimes we haven't rehearsed other parts as well. But, you know, we're having fun, and we're having a great conversation with you guys. So first and foremost, let's keep that conversation going. Definitely contact us at healthcarewrap.com. Come get to know us and connect with us there. So the freestyle segment is we're just going to, for two minutes each, we're going to talk about the theme, the topic today of marketing analytics and we're going to do it from the perspective of someone else in the organization because we're trying to develop empathy for other points of view. We feel like that's something that can help change the culture of marketing. Right. So let's see. Switching our hat here. All right. You, uh, you can go first. Do you want to go first? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah we'll, you we'll switch it up a little we'll bit. switch right. it up. I'm pulling it out of that. So marketing analytics from the standpoint of a surgeon. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. All right. When he or she can be bothered to talk to a marketer. <laughs> I do. I remember that because I came from the medical device world. And so literally we'd think of, hey, what marketing materials at the time is we got to develop an app. Uh, the surgeon's got 60 seconds at the scrub sink. And that's where I'm going to be standing there bugging them while they're washing their hands, you know, while they're scrubbing in. So that rings true. But okay, two minutes and we'll go now. Yeah. All right. All right. So a surgeon. So a surgeon lives in an evidence-based peer-reviewed world. It's a scientific field. You need to be able to present some evidence. You need to be able to compare things to something else. So data for marketers, they're going to say, hey, that's great that you got more engagement for this. How did that drive outcomes? Like we are looking for more patient volume. We want more people, more awareness. We want people to know about this clinic. How did X relate to Y? How did we do that? And sometimes that answer is less clear, but there are some things that we can point to. We can point out a correlation in the last episode, Peter gave an example of an epilepsy campaign that you won't know the true outcomes for at least six months down the road. So the fact that we know that, we're going to keep an eye on that and be able to see, ideally, I expect quite a, a strong correlation between things six months from then. So surgeons are going to want to see things. They're used to reading things in a peer-reviewed journal. They're used to saying, hey, this doctor that I just read about in this journal article tried this. They experimented. It's like the science fair. You know, that one thing that us right-brained kind of people, it wasn't necessarily our favorite thing to do in middle school, but in a science fair, you were experimenting, you were testing a variable. Right. You're testing the results based on something. That's what a surgeon, that's what a physician, any healthcare professional is used to. They expect to see, hey, you're comparing this to what? There's a baseline of some kind. What's the control group? So any analytics, any data that we present, if we can even show, 
hey, we don't know exactly this correlation, but we do know that the baseline year over year, last year, we're up 30%. Yeah. And guess what? There is this correlation on the patient volumes side. So there's got to be something there. Right. So the add-on to that, and I love what you did there, was background. We did a live Twitter surgery for a knee replacement. That was the first live Twitter surgery I did. Uh, the doctor or the surgeon that was involved did not believe in social media, didn't really care for it, but went along with it because he thought, I think he was thinking maybe if anything happens, his name will be attached to it. So there was a little bit of a kind of a, a play for him to, to get more popular. Within literally minutes of this surgery finishing, somebody tweeted to us at the health system I was at saying, this is amazing. I'm going to call Dr. Uh, I think it was Dr. Walscog's office immediately. And I was able to show him that on our way to the press conference after. And you could tell he was flabbergasted. He's like, I can't believe this. He goes, I, I know this person. <laughs> and he said in the interview with the local media right after he said, I never was a social media person. I don't do social media now, but I might now. And he goes, and I already have a consult based off of something I just did. And I'll never forget that because it was like an instantaneous piece of data, an instantaneous metric that happened because of something that we did on social media. I'll never forget that. So, and, and he was a surgeon. So that's why I wanted to throw that in there. It was pretty amazing. Well, again, and the control group in that case was nothing. Like there was no social media related consults that you could measure before that. So right. great example. All right. Well, which one All do right. I get? All right. Let's see. All right, and we've got some recruiting. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, so again, marketing analytics from the standpoint of hospital recruiting. Okay, so I think the most important points here is if you're not a marketer in the HR department, your world is runoff, is splash damage. If you're doing the right marketing and, and it's correct and it's going to the right people, recruitment will benefit from that. I see this on a day-to-day -day basis where I'm at right now. If we are reaching referring physicians, if we're reaching people with new procedures and new technologies, how does that runoff, how does that splash damage, if you will, benefit recruiting? Well, other doctors in other health systems across the United States are going to see this depending on how broad your reach is, how, how much money you've spent and, and how targeted you've been. And they may see that and they may say, wow, that system is doing some amazing things. You know, if I'm in California and I see this in Boston, that might be pretty amazing. So what that does is it, it kind of opens up the senses to other doctors, other physicians, other clinicians around the country to be like, hey, they're doing some pretty cool stuff there. Maybe I should look into there. And, and who knows? The quick thing might be that they look at our job openings uh, to see, you know, if they'd like to move out there. I know it's not something that probably is in a strategy, but again, it could happen. And I think from a standpoint, if you're doing your marketing correctly, you know, the HR people might be thanking you down the way. You never know. I like that, and I've never thought of that perspective. So very interesting. I think both of these kind of lead us to kind of this conclusion today that analytics are a part of every aspect of the marketer's role in today's world and that we really can dive in without being shell-shocked with it. There are some baby steps we can take, and we barely got to walking down that road today, but maybe we, we each really can get comfortable with analytics wherever we are and learn more about them and, and how to integrate them in our strategies, and great conversation with that today. Yeah, and let us know. Again, I'll ask again. Let us know what your team makeup is. Let us know if you've embraced data and you've spent that money on that FTE and, and you're marrying an IT group to marketing. So see how far you are down that road. It'd be interesting to hear back from you because then we can kind of report back to everyone and listen to this podcast because I think we'll see a trend. Honestly, I think we will. I'm, I'm excited. Thanks again.
again. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So for Peter and myself, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Come find us and engage with us at healthcarewrap.com, and we'll talk to you next time.